Today's daf is Mem Gimel in Masechet Sukkah. We're going to start on Mem Bet Amud Bet with the new Perek, Lulav Arava, and hopefully get to the end of daf Mem Gimel Amud Bet. Lulav Arava, Shisha Veshiva. The Lulav and the Arava, the Mitzvah of Arava was uh, a Mitzvah that was performed in the Bet HaMikdash, the placement of the willows, uh, first the, uh, the encircling of the altar in the Bet HaMikdash, and then the placement of the willows uh, against the uh, Mizbeach, as we're going to learn about more in the upcoming Gemara. They, this was sometimes observed six days and sometimes observed seven days, depending upon uh, how the week fell out. Shabbat might be overridden for the mitzvah or might not be, as we will see uh, coming up soon. Ha-halil v'asimcha the recitation of Hallel on Sukkot and Shemini Yatzerot is eight days, and the celebration, uh, which involves the eating of meat, is eight days uh, in every year, because, of course, that doesn't involve any conflict with Shabbat. We can say Hallel on Shabbat too. V'nisuch shiva, the pouring of the water of the Nisuch the water libation of Sukkot, is performed even on Shabbat, so therefore it's all seven days of Sukkot. Hallel, chamisha v'shisha, the special uh, playing of music, the Simchat Beta Sho'eva, the rejoicing in the Beta Mikdash with musical instruments that occurred in the evenings of Sukkot would happen either five of the days or six of the days because it didn't fall, it didn't happen on the uh, nights of uh, <coughs> of Yom Tov and it didn't happen on Shabbat. So depending upon how the holiday fell out. Uh, what day of the week, it, that would determine whether it was five or six days. So for example, Sarashi so explains that it would be five days if the holiday, if the first day of the holiday falls out uh, on any day other than Shabbat. So I have two nights that there's not going to be Simchat Beta Shoeva because the night of Yom Tov there won't be and the night of the Shabbat of Cholom Moed there won't be. But if the Yom Tov falls out on Shabbat, first day of Sukkot is on Shabbat. So therefore, you only, you're not going to miss any of the days of Cholom Moed all of the six days of Cholom Oed will be able to have Simchat Beit HaShoeva in that case because none of them will coincide with Shabbat in that circumstance. Um, uh, it says, then, Lulav Shiva Ketar. Under what circumstances is the Lulav sh- uh, shaken all seven days, uh, all six days of the, uh, uh, all seven days rather of the holiday? Ketar, Yom Tov Rishon Shelchag, Shechal Yod Shabbat. If the first day of the holiday of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, Lulav Shiva, Shakol Yavim Shisha. So if the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, so then in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, as we're going to see, they would shake the Lulav even on Shabbat. Uh, in that situation where the first day coincided with Shabbat. But if Shabbat were in the middle of the week of Sukkot, so then on that day, there would be no lulav on the day that uh, coincided with Shabbat. Today, we don't shake the lulav on Shabbat, even if it falls on the first day. When would there be a seven-day practice of the placement of the willow in the Beit HaMikdash, the Arava? Yom that's in a circumstance where the seventh day, meaning Hoshana Rabbah, falls out on Shabbat, so then it overrides Shabbat as well, and that would mean that all seven days of Sukkot, there's going to be a placement of the Arava on the, uh, on the Mizbech. But if, it, if Shabbat coincides with any other day of Sukkot on that particular day, they would not have the placement of the Arava on that day. So then you have Arava Shiva. In that case, there's seven days. If Shabbat falls out on any of the other days, then it's going to turn out to be uh, uh, only a six-day mitzvah. So, for example, if on the fourth day of uh, Sukkot, it turns out to be Shabbat, so on that fourth day, they won't have the uh, Aravan that day in the Bet HaMikdash. Uh, only when Shabbat coincides with the seventh day, which, by the way, nowadays it never does, but only when Shabbat 
uh, when, when Hoshana Rabbah falls out on Shabbat, is Shabbat overridden for the sake of the Arava. Mitzvah Lulav Ketzad. So how does the Mitzvah Lulav work? Yom Tov Arishon Shel Chag, Shechaliot B'Shabbat. When the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, Molichinet Lulavayin Arabait, everybody would bring their Lulav to the Temple Mount. And those who were in charge of the Temple Mount would receive them. They would place it on the stand there. And the elders would place theirs in a special chamber for, that was designated for the elders. And they would teach everyone to say, That whoever receives my Lulav, it belongs to him as a gift. And the reason is because you have to own your Lulav on the first day. So therefore they wanted to make sure that if there was any mix up, somebody took a Lulav that was not theirs, halachically it would be theirs. It would be a gift to them. The next morning when they would come for shachar, you know, for the morning service, so they would come to get their lulavim in order to shake them, and they would place all of them in the the, the people who were in charge, the chazanim, they call them here, the like gabaim, would place all of these lulavim in front of the people, and people would come in mechatfin, and they would grab them, but then umakin ishat chaviro, and then they would start fighting with each other because people would say, no, that's mine, no, that's mine, you took mine, so on, they would start to argue. So therefore, what did they do? When they saw this became a dangerous situation, so they canceled the idea of having the people shake the lulav in the Beit HaMikdash. They told them to shake it at home. Now, the reason is, of course, because of the issue of carrying on Shabbat, they weren't allowed to transport the Lulav to the Beit HaMikdash on Shabbat itself. They had to leave it there from, bef- from before. And, and so if they left it there, uh, all, everyone left their Lulav and Etrog there uh, before Shabbat, so it's possible that they'll get mixed up and people started fighting about who's belonged to whom. And therefore they said, you know what, just shake the Lulav at home. Don't leave it here for the morning. Shake it at home before you come and then come to the Beit HaMikdash afterwards. And that's what they ended up doing. Uh, on when the first day of Sukkot fell on Shabbat and they had Lulav on Shabbat. But the Gemara is going to explain more about that. Now the Gemara says, What's the reason why Lulav is prohibited on Shabbat anyway? It's just Tiltul, it's just handling a branch. That should override Shabbat. What's the Melacha? There's no Melacha. There's no violation of Shabbat involved in handling a Lulav. So, The famous answer of Rabbah that appears in, uh, in the Bavli in many cases uh, is that this Gezerah de Rabbanan, this was a rabbinic prohibition that was, we can't shake the Lulav on Shabbat because the concern is that a person will carry it for Amot and Rashut HaRabim to take it to someone to teach him either how to shake it properly or how to do the Bacha properly. So it's not the shaking per se that is the violation of Shabbat or that comes into conflict with Shabbat, but it's the potential of a violation of Shabbat that could occur if the person uh, brings it to someone on, Shab- on, on the morning of Shabbat slash Sukkot to learn how to shake it properly. And Ve'ainu Tamad Shofar, this is the same reason Rabbah gives for why there's no blowing of Shofar on Shabbat, Ve'ainu Tamad Megillah, same reason why uh, we don't read the Megillah in the, circ- in the situation where Purim falls out on Shabbat, which it, the, the, our day of Purim doesn't fall out on Shabbat ever, but uh, sometimes the 15th of, uh, uh, of Adar does, as it did last year. Um, we don't read the Megillah on Shabbat because of the same concern that a person will carry the object of the mitzvah in order to get help with, uh, with using it. And this is the explanation that Rabbah gives throughout the Talmud Bavli. If that's true, we nami. But if that's if that's really the case, that the whole concern here is that a person might come to violate Shabbat, so why do we make an exception on the first day of Sukkot? Because we just read that at least in the times of the Beit Hamikdash on the first day of Sukkot. They would shake the lulav on Shabbat. So it says, Rishon hu, so, so, and the thing is that if there's a concern about violating Shabbat, that applies on the first day too. Right? So it says, no, Rishon hata rabbanan bebeto. In the end, the rabbis said that a person should shake the lulav in their house. So that's how they avoided the problem. But that's true. Hatenach achar takana. That's only after they instituted the idea of shaking it in the house. But kodem takana ma'ikala Before they made that institution that a person should 
uh, shake the lulav at home on the morning of Sukkot when it falls out on Shabbat. Uh, they were telling people to leave it in the, in the Bet HaMikdash uh, over Shabbat. So why did they not have the same concern that a person who didn't do that might end up carrying the lulav on Shabbat? The answer is that only the, uh, the first day of, of uh, Sukkot has a mitzvah of lulav Minatora everywhere, Bagvulin, even in the outskirts, meaning not just in uh, the Bet HaMikdash. There's a mitzvah everywhere to shake the lulav on the first day. So therefore the rabbis did not want to institute a restriction when the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, since that mitzvah applies everywhere in all places and times, Minatora. So therefore they said they're not going to uh, go against that mitzvah. But the rest of the days where the mitzvah doesn't apply outside of the Bet HaMikdash, there's only a mitzvah in the Bet HaMikdash to shake the lulav and etrog on the rest of the days. And we do it on the other six days of Sukkot only as a zikh the Mikdash, only to remember the Beit HaMikdash, but really technically it's only, it, it only applies on the first day. And incidentally, there is a Machloket Rishonim, whether this is talking about the Beit in the Beit HaMikdash, there is a mitzvah, or whether it's talking about Yerushalayim, there's those that say that it means in all of Yerushalayim, there's a mitzvah all seven days, but we're not going to get into that. The point is that, well, let's just make it simple and say Beit HaMikdash versus anywhere else, there is a mitzvah on the first day everywhere, and a mitzvah in the Beit HaMikdash only on the rest of the days, so therefore they didn't make a gzerah when the first day falls out on Shabbat, because the mitzvah is so important and so significant that they didn't want to go against it. Yachif, that's right, did not so then why not today? Because we, we know that nowadays we, uh, oh, we, we don't shake the lulav on Shabbat, so what is the reason why we don't do it today? If, um, if the whole point is to show how important the first day of Sukkot is, and how important the mitzvah of lulav on the first day is, so then why don't we shake the lulav on the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat today? We don't know the exact time of the month. In other words, everywhere in the world other than uh, close to Yerushalayim, we don't know uh, what the correct days of the Yom Tov, so therefore we keep two days of Yom Tov. For every Yom Tov, we always keep two. So, um, that's why we can't really say for sure this is the first day of Sukkot because maybe tomorrow this is Yom Tov Sheni is the first day of Sukkot. And that's why since we're not sure, we can't override Shabbat based on the doubt. But the question is, in what about those who live in Jerusalem and therefore they know when the, uh, or they live close enough to know for sure the places where they only keep one day of Yom Tov then according to that, they should override Shabbat by shaking the lulav on the first day because after all, we're saying that really from the side of the importance of the, uh, uh, of, uh, of the mitzvah of lulav, we should override ride Shabbat on the first day. The only concern is that since we don't know for sure that it's the first day, we're not going to do it. But in a place where they do know, then they should do it. So it says, Enechinam, you're right. Chada biyom tov rishon shel chag, shechaliot b'shabbat. Right? So it says, you're right. And, and it's, here it says chada, but really it should say, uh, it should say ditnan. I think, oh no, what should it say? Here it should say, according to the side note, um, there's something that is a little bit not smooth in the, uh, in the language here. Uh, oh, it, it says ditane chada here. Is that ditane? Um, it says in the parentheses on the side could be uh, really say ditnan, uh, but uh, it says chada. In one place it says biom tov rishon shel chag shchaliot b'shabat kol amolichin ulevayan harabai. That was in our mishnah. That's why it's a shade ditnan because uh, it's confusing because the aleph on the page is not the same uh, font as the Aleph on the side, so I didn't realize it was the same Aleph, but yeah, it's actually the Tanan. Chadav, Yom Tov Rishon Shel Chag Shechaliyot B'Shabbat, Kol Ha'am Olechin Edu Levein because it says in our Mishnah that we just read that everybody used to bring their Lulav to Har to the Temple Mount before Shabbat, and it says Vitanya in parentheses, but on the side it says, should say, actually, Utnan 
Idach lebeta Knesset. In another Mishnah it says lebeta Knesset that they should bring it to the Bet Knesset. So that shows you that what that uh, they were bringing it to the synagogue, not to the Bet Hamikdash. Shemamina kan bebezman she Bet Hamikdash kayam kan bezman she in Bet Hamikdash kayam shemamina. Right. So the the uh, the conclusion is that one Mishnah that says that they would bring their lulavim to the Har Habayit is talking about when the Bet Hamikdash existed, and one is talking about when it says they should bring it to the Bet Knesset is talking about after the destruction of the Bet Hamikdash. But they're both talking about in Israel or in areas close enough to Yerushalayim where they keep only one day of Yom Tov. In those areas, they would shake the lulav when the first day fell out on Shabbat, and it's only outside of Israel that we don't shake the lulav on the first day of Sukkot when it falls out on Shabbat. So far, that's what the Gemara is going to say. We're going to see later that that's not true. That now. Nowadays, even in Israel, on the first day of Sukkot, even if it falls out on Shabbat, if it falls out on Shabbat, they don't take the lulav. But for now, they're saying that the reason why there are two Mishnayot, one that describes bringing lulavim to the Bet Hamikdash, and one describing bringing lulavim ahead of Shabbat to the Bet Knesset, is because both when the Bet Hamikdash existed and even after it was destroyed in Israel, they take the lulav on the first day of Sukkot. Now, the question is, where do we get the idea that the mitzvah min haTorah? is throughout the world to shake the lulav. Uh, on the first day, there's a mitzvah everywhere in the world um, to, to shake the lulav. Uh, we learn it because the Tanik, because it says in the Brayta, first of all, it says in the plural, which tells you that each and every person has to shake the lulav themselves. It says lachem, it has to be yours, which means to exclude borrowing a lulav on the first day or stealing one, obviously. And then it says on the first day, even when that day is Shabbat. So that shows you that uh, so far we're saying, um, and and the the way that the Bach has the text there, it where before the word Rishon it says Rishon Afilu Bagvulin. That it should say uh, it should actually say How Rishon. That uh, the the text according to the Bach is Rishon Afilu Bagvulin, and then um, and then How Rishon. He says, oh, he doesn't change. Like, maybe he doesn't change the text actually right he's just telling you that there's a different version elsewhere okay so so it's so the point is that it says that lachem teaches you mishalachem lo tzieta shul gazul that's to tell you that you have to own it it belongs to you so bayom means vafilo b'shabat and rishon afilo b'gvulin that rishon teaches you even outside of uh, of of the Yerushalayim or outside the Bet HaMikdash and Harishon and the Harishon teaches you that it only overrides the first day of Yom Tov uh, alone and it doesn't override the other days meaning to say that we're only going to override Shabbat when uh, when the first day falls out on Shabbat but the rest of the day is not now of course the Chidush is because you might read the Pasuk if you read the Pasuk according to the really simple Pshat the simple Pshat of the Pasuk is when it lists the four Minim it says you should take for yourself on the first day all of these species and you should celebrate before Hashem your God for seven days the implication is if you read that as the Pshat the Pshat sounds like it means you should celebrate with the Lulav and Etrog before Hashem meaning in the Bet HaMikdash for seven Seven days. It doesn't really sound like it means outside of the Bet Hamikdash that there is any such mitzvah of the Lav and So it's actually a chidush, this limud, this in, this uh, concept that it applies actually everywhere in the world um, on the first day, not only in the Bet Hamikdash. So we should just keep in mind. Sometimes we take for granted so much. A certain drasha has become such a part of the way that we look at the halacha that we forget that actually it's not exactly the pshat. The pshat is that it's only in the Bet Hamikdash, and it's extended on the first day 
everywhere in the world, and therefore on the first day uh, the mitzvah has a greater status than uh, than other days. But only the first day there overrides Shabbat, according to this brayta. Amar more the said by Yom v'afilu b'Shabbat. It says on the first day you should do love even when it's Shabbat. Mechdi titul be'almo itzarichkal lemishrei tiltul. Since the we know that shaking the lulav and uh, taking the lulav and etrog is only a handling of vegetation, right? You don't really need a pasuk to permit you to do that on Shabbat because at worst what would it be? The worst it would be would be muktzeh maybe because it's not considered to be any kind of a vessel or any kind of a food. It could be muktzeh, but you don't need a pasuk to tell you you're allowed to handle it because there's no isur deoraita involved in shaking a lulav on Shabbat. That brayta is coming to tell you that even machshirei lulav, that even things that are necessary for preparing the lulav override Shabbat. In accordance with the following as we know, Rabbi Eliezer has a position throughout Shas that whenever there's a mitzvat asay, that mitzvat asay and all of the preparations for that mitzvat asay override Shabbat. That's Rabbi Eliezer's position about milah, about sukkah, about lulav, about shofar, about everything. Every mitzvat asay, as we learned in Masechet Shabbat, actually, his position, um, pretty much every positive mitzvah and all of its preparations override Shabbat, and that would apply to lulav as well. And that, so according to him, you would need a pasuk to tell you that it overrides Shabbat because um, he's saying that not just the tiltul, not just the shaking of the lulav, but even the preparation of the lulav, pulling it out of the ground and cutting it and everything that went into uh, getting the lulav ready, all of that would override Shabbat according to Rabbi Eliezer, which is a, a fascinating thing. Now, my time is Rabbi Eliezer, because it says Bayom Arishon, which means if, even on Shabbat. The Pasuk says, and that's where he learns it from. What do the rabbis do with the word Bayom? To teach you that the mitzvah is only day and not night. Not to teach you that the preparations for the mitzvah override Shabbat, and not to teach you that the mitzvah overrides Shabbat, because actually the mitzvah doesn't have, doesn't pose any problem for Shabbat. It's just shaking branches. But it's a teacher that the mitzvah is only during the daytime. Where does Rabbi Eliezer get the idea that you can only shake the lulav during the daytime, which of course everybody agrees to? He can't get it from the word Bayom, because he uses that to tell you that it overrides Shabbat. So, he says, I learned it from the end of the Pasuk because it says you should celebrate with the Lulav and Etrog for seven days before Hashem. And it says, Yamim, meaning Yamim, days, not nights. What do the rabbis do with that? No, on the contrary, if you learn from the word yamim, shivat yamim, at the end of the pasuk, then you're going to come up with the opposite conclusion. Should apply day and night. Because malahalan yamim because you might compare it to sukkah and say, just like by sukkah you have day and night, afkanam yamim so to here, you should have day and night for the lulav, just like you have by sukkah. So that's not a good pasuk to learn it from, because you'll make the mistake of thinking that uh, the mitzvah applies day and night, and, and, and we are all agreeing that lulav only applies during the day. And how do we know that the sukkah applies day and night because it says you should live in Sukkot the rabbis taught you should live in Sukkot for seven days which means days and even nights how do you know that it means days and nights because just like in English the word day has two meanings the word day can mean daytime meaning the part of the day, the part of the 24 hour period that it's light outside daytime or it can mean a full 24 hour day we use the same term for both things in both English and Hebrew so it can be confusing so what does it mean by Sukkot Maybe it means just the daytimes. Because it says by the sukkah, yamim, and it says by the lulav, days. Maybe we could learn from lulav the opposite. We could learn from lulav that just like lulav is only during the daytime and not the nighttime. Because we know that it's incorporated into the Beta Magdash service. So obviously it's a daytime mitzvah. So we could say the same thing about the sukkah. Or we could go the other way. We could look at another example of where we have 
days being observed, and that's the dedication of the Mishkan, the Miluim, during the dedication of the Mishkan, the Kohanim had to stay seven days inside the, inside the Mishkan. There the, the Pasuk actually says, you should say, that you should, the Kohanim should stay day and night in the Mishkan for seven days as they were dedicating the Mishkan and also becoming consecrated and installed in their office as Kohanim. They stayed Seven days, days and night. So So too, we should say by the sukkah, it means day and night. So now the question is, which one should we go with? Should we compare the sukkah to lulav and say that it's only during the day? Or should we compare sukkah to the dedication of the mishkan and say that it's day and night? So, right? so on one hand, we could say, let's compare a protracted, a long mitzvah, like sitting in the sukkah is comparable to sitting in the mishkan for the kohanim. It's an extended thing, as opposed to the lulav, which is a one-second performance. Maybe we wouldn't learn from lulav to sukkah because it's a one-second performance. Or the other way, maybe we'll say, no, just like we should learn something permanent from something permanent. Lulav is a mitzvah that's every year. It's part of the eternal Torah. It's a, not a one-time thing. So therefore, we should learn from lulav to sukkah. We shouldn't, and, and, and say that sukkah is only during the day, as opposed to miluim, which was a one time in history. It's not something that and is ever done again, so why would we learn from that? So it says, We shouldn't learn from the miluim, from the dedication of the mishkan, which was only a one time thing. So it says, Therefore, we come up, so according to logic, we could have flipped it in either direction, but we come up with a conclusion that there's a shava, the word teshvu, sit or dwell appears in the context of sukkah, and it appears in the context of the uh, miluim. So there's a gzerah shavah between the two of them, the markam teshuvu and the mar miluim teshuvu, malalan yamim vafilu leilot, afkan yamim vafilu leilot. So in both cases where it says to spend seven days in a place. So in the case of the miluim, it explicitly says, yomam valayla, that you should, you should be there day and night. So we apply the same to sukkah based on the gzerah shavah, that it's day and night. So therefore we know that sukkah is day and night, and therefore the question becomes, according to the rabbis, if we learned lulav's timing from the word us, that you should celebrate before Hashem for seven days, we might have thought that we, we take the definition of days from Sukkah, where it's day and night. Um, and therefore, we, we, we need to take it from the word Bayom Arishon, which sounds pretty clearly like it means the daytime. According to Rabbi Eliezer, he wasn't bothered by that, and he says, no, that uh, you can learn from Usmachtem Lefnei Hashem Eloechem Shivat Yamim, and we'll understand that that's referring only to the daytimes. And therefore, for him, the word Bayom Arishon, by Lulav, comes to tell you that the Machshirim, that the preparations of the mitzvah, override Shabbat. Now, we come to Arava, Shiva Ketzad. Under what circumstances is there a mitzvah Arava? In the Bet Hamikdash, all seven days. So it says the answer is that we said Arava b'Shvi'i Ma'ita Amadachia Shabbat. The question is why does the Arava override Shabbat on the seventh day? Because the Rashi says Velo Gazurba Kechid Gazur Belulav. Why is there no Gzera like we find by the Lulav? Because in the before we said um, and Rashi goes on he says the Hachanami Leta Minatua Begvulin. In other words, we said that the first day of Sukkot, they had a leniency in the Bet HaMikdash to shake the Lulav because that mitzvah applies everywhere in the world. On that day, it's a special day. So therefore, they, they, they 
put aside the concern about carrying the lulav on the first day. But when it comes to arava, there should be a concern about carrying the aravot to the Beit HaMikdash since there is, you can't use the same argument that, well, the seventh day of Sukkot is very special because everybody in the world does the mitzvah of arava. It's not true. The mitzvah of arava was only in the Beit HaMikdash. So maybe they should have made a rule prohibiting it when it fell out on Shabbat. Since they prohibited it every other day, why would they give it even one day that it should override Shabbat? In order to tell people, says Rabbi Yochanan, that it is a biblical mitzvah to bring this aravat to the Beit HaMikdash. If we didn't bend the rules of, so to speak, of Shabbat, suspend the concern about Shabbat at least one day, people wouldn't realize that it was a mitzvah from the Torah on the same level as other mitzvot, since it's only an oral tradition. It's not written anywhere in the Torah to bring these aravot, these willow branches, and place them in the Beit HaMikdash. So we wouldn't know that if we didn't have it override Shabbat at least once. So same thing when it comes to the lulav. The lulav, we, we said that we don't allow it to override Shabbat. Only on the first, it doesn't override Shabbat ever, but meaning we, we make a zerah preventing it from being performed on Shabbat because of a concern about violation, violation of Shabbat on all the other days. But we should say no to show people that it's a mitzvah from the Torah to shake it every day in the Beit HaMikdash. We should, uh, we should shake it even when it's Shabbat and we should just be careful not to violate Shabbat. It says no, lulav zerah, there it says lulav zerah mashum de rabbah. There we don't do it because of what Rabbah said. Rabbah said we have a zerah that if we allow people to shake the lulav on Shabbat, they're going to carry it on Shabbat and that's why we're concerned and we only put aside that concern when the first day falls out on Shabbat. But if that's true, so why don't we say the same thing about Arava? In other words, there doesn't seem to be a compelling reason to make a distinction here. Um, both of these mitzvot are from the Torah. Both of them are important and one of them we make an exception when the, uh, when the, when Lulav falls out on the first day, we make an exception and say that we're going to shake it on Shabbat um, and not worry about the concern about Shabbat and we say the same thing with Arava, but it doesn't make sense because when it comes to Lulav, the other days are more comparable to Arava because the other days are the days that it's only done in the Beit HaMikdash and not outside. And there we say, if let's say the third day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, we don't shake the Lulav even in the Beit HaMikdash on Shabbat on that day. So it should be comparable to the seventh day with the Arava. Why should we, be, why should we allow the Arava to be brought um, on, and placed on the, in, in the Beit HaMikdash on the seventh day um, it's, there's no reason to make an exception for the rule preventing Chilul Shabbat. So it says, no, the answer is that Arava, Shiluchay Bedin, Maitela. The answer is that when it comes to the Arava, when it comes to the willows that are being placed in the Beit HaMikdash, the agents of the Beit Din, in other words, knowledgeable, competent people were in charge of that. They're not going to violate Shabbat bringing those Aravot to the Beit HaMikdash. However, everybody's in charge of their own Dulav. And it's easy to imagine an average person making a mistake and carrying it. Yachi, if that's true, but if that's true, then why don't we have it overwrite every day and have the Aravah? Even when uh, the, the third day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, we should do the Aravah and the Beit HaMikdash on that day too, since we know that the people are competent who are in charge of it. And they will make sure that it isn't carried on Shabbat in a, from a Rashut Rabim to a Rashut HaYachid or in a Rashut Rabim for Amot or whatever it might be. Right, so the answer is If we did that and allowed the Aravat every day to be brought in the Beit HaMikdash based on the, relying on the competence of those who were bringing it so then people will say oh, look, that Aravat is brought every day in the Beit HaMikdash obviously that's a bigger deal than Lulav because Lulav when it falls out on Shabbat in the middle of, when Shabbat falls in the middle of Sukkot we don't take the Lulav on Shabbat so that shows you that, uh, that Lulav is not as important as Aravat so therefore, what did they say? They said that if, if Arava falls out on any other day of the week, in other words, on any other day of the week, Arava is not brought only when Shabbat falls on the seventh day. 
In other words, we make, we make an exception when it falls out on the seventh day, meaning in one circumstance we make an exception, which is when uh, Hoshana Rabbah falls out on Shabbat, in that one circumstance we make an exception and allow it to be done on Shabbat just to show that it's very important. But the other days we don't allow, uh, if Shabbat falls out on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth day of uh, Sukkot, we don't allow the Aravat to be done because we don't want people to ask questions and say, well, why are you allowing the Aravat to be done but not the Lulav? Obviously, the Lulav is not important. So we don't want people to get confused, so we don't do it. So, so then the question is, we're already having Lulav brought on the first day of, of Sukkot. When the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, we allow the Lulav to be taken that day, but we don't allow the Arava. We only allow the Arava to be brought in the Beit HaMikdash when Shabbat falls on the seventh day of Sukkot, so the, meaning on Hoshana Raba. So if that's the case, why don't we just hit two birds with one stone and say when the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, we bring the Lulav, we have the Lulav in the Beit HaMikdash, and we also have the Arava in the Beit HaMikdash. Why do we say that when Shabbat, when Shabbat falls on the first day of Sukkot, so we only have the Lulav in the Beit HaMikdash, no Arava. And when Shabbat it comes out on the seventh day of Sukkot, so then... Uh, so then we have Aravah that day, but no Lulav. Why, why not put them both on the first day? So it says, So it says, no, the answer is that Lomochamilta, that it, it won't be clear the message we're trying to send about the importance of Aravah, because Amrei Lulavu de Because people will just think that the reason why we're allowing the Aravah, if we said, look, the first day of Sukkot fell out on, you know, Shabbat fell on the first day of Sukkot this year. So what we're going to do is, we have Lulav in the Beit HaMikdash, we'll also have Aravah in the Beit HaMikdash. The people will just think that's only because you're doing the Lulav that you're doing the Aravah. They won't realize that the Aravah is also a mitzvah in its own right. Right? So why don't we uh, choose a different random day of Sukkot and say any, if the third day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbat, we'll uh, have Aravan that day. Um, but only when it falls out on the third day. So why don't we do something like that? Why did they pick the seventh? The answer is that since we are not going to do the first day, meaning we already said that if the first day of Sukkot falls on Shabbat, you bring the, you're able to shake the Lulav that day, but not the Arva. So what do we say? If we pick another random day in the middle, it will just be totally arbitrary. So instead we say on the last day, on the seventh day, the culmination of Sukkot, if that day falls on Shabbat, then we have Arava, but no Lulav. If that's true, so then why don't we do it today? Why don't we find that there's also a, uh, when Hoshana Rabbah falls on Shabbat, which by the way, it doesn't nowadays, but if Hoshana Rabbah falls out on Shabbat, um, then really we should, uh, we should have the, uh, the, the Aravan that day, just like we would have, um, the, um, the, uh, Rashi says that, um, Lachar Choban, Davdenan Arava, Chad Yoma, we only do the Aravan the seventh day nowadays anyway, so if it falls out on Shabbat, we should really, uh, do it even on Shabbat. And it says, Kevan that it says that the um, that the uh, that they should have the seventh day. They should have the shiluchei bet din. Bring the arava and uh, and and bang the arava on the ground or do netilat arava. Some people say you're supposed to shake it. Um, they should have done that. Why did they make a restriction on it when it falls out on Shabbat? Of course, we'll, we would have the shluchei. This is assuming that they would have the shluchei bet din do it. Not every average person, but they would have the the only the uh, the appointees of the bet din do it. So it says no. The reason why we don't do it today is because in hud yad e bikibod the archa. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped um, that. Uh, uh, so it says, because we live outside of Israel, we don't know the exact day. We always keep everything for two days. We keep everything out of doubt. So we don't know for sure what the seventh day is. And so therefore, we don't have chibut arava when Hoshana Rabbah falls on Shabbat. But why not in Israel then? In Israel, they know for sure what the seventh day of Sukkot is. So if Hoshana Rabbah falls on Shabbat, they should do chibut arava on the day. So it says, when Barhadayah came, he said, 
Lo ikla. It never happens. And since it never happens, and Hoshana Rabbah falls on Shabbat, it's never an issue. And that's like it is today, and that's correct. When Ravin and all the Nichuti, all the people who went to Israel and came, uh, came uh, back from Eretz Israel, they originally were from Bavel, they went to Eretz Israel and they came back to Bavel, they said, It does fall out sometimes, Hoshan Rabbah, on, uh, on, on Shabbat, but we don't override it with the Chibut Arava when that happens. Okay, so there, there's a machloket about whether you can ever have Hoshan Rabbah on the, uh, whether it ever will happen, then Hoshan Rabbah will fall on Shabbat. And Rashi explains, says, Hem elul, or echad min right? In In other words, according to, uh, according to Bar Hadayah, Bar Hadayah is saying that you would not have a, uh, you would, the Din would avoid ever having Hoshan Rabbah fall on Shabbat, so you would never have the problem. According to the Chachamim, no, we don't change the calendar to avoid that. It could be that Hoshan Rabbah would fall on Shabbat, and then you would have the conflict, and you would not do Chibut Kashya. So now we're stuck with the problem, because according to everything that we've seen up till now, there really shouldn't be any problem with having Chibut Arava on Shabbat on the seventh day, uh, in a place where we know what the day is, in Eretz Israel, so they should be able to have the Shluchei Betin, at least somebody who is appointed to make sure that there's no violation of Shabbat should come and remind us of the Bet HaMikdash by doing it. Amarav Yosef, Man Dilma The answer is that really shaking the, the the Arava is not really the mitzvah. The mitzvah is zikifa. The idea is to place it on the Mizbeach. And we don't have a Mizbeach. So, there's, so we don't really have a remnant of that original mitzvah at all. We don't have, it's not like we can continue that original mitzvah. We don't have uh, that mitzvah at all anymore um, in its original form. So there's no way to uh, substitute for it nowadays because we... Um, because... Uh, uh, because we, uh, you know, we, we don't have a, a mizbeach, right? So it says, Eitve Abaye raised an objection, Lulav shisha v'shiva, my love kilulav. So Abaye said, wait a second, we saw in the Mishnah that it says the mitzvah of lulav and the mitzvah of the arava, which is the willow that's placed in the Beit HaMikdash, there are either six or seven days. So doesn't it mean to compare the two, that ma lulav bin tilaf, arava bin tilaf, just like the mitzvah of lulav is shaking it, the mitzvah of arava is also waving it or shaking it or something having to do with handling it. So we should be able to have that mitzvah nowadays. There's some element of the mitzvah today. So therefore we should be able to do it on the seventh day. So midi irya, how can you make that assumption? Just because it's saying that they have in common that they either are observed for six or seven days in a given year doesn't necessarily mean that they're observed in the same way. Lulav is shaking and arava is uh, placing on the mitzvah. Every day of Sukkot, they would go around the Mizbech once, and on the seventh day, they would go around seven times. So, my love, isn't it talking about the Arava? And you see from that that holding the Arava and moving it is considered to be a mitzvah, and we should be able to have some remnant of that mitzvah today. It says, Lo bilulav. That's talking about the lulav. Actually, the mitzvah of Arava was just placing the Aravot on the Mizbech, it was not walking around or shaking them. Um, but what they would walk around with was the lulav. Didn't Rav Nachman say in the name of Rabba Baravua that it is with the Arava? And therefore the Arava is a shaking of the Arava. And we do have a remnant of it today. And we should be able to override the seventh day. When the seventh day falls out on uh, Shabbat, we should be able to do it in Israel at least. Okay, so Rav Nachman said Barava. I say with lulav. In other words, the point is that... Um, that Rav Nachman's opinion was that they shook the uh, Arava. That's his, that's his opinion. But the opinion 
of Rav Yosef was that no, it's only a uh, it's only a mitzvah to place it on the mizbeach. We don't have any remnant of the mitzvah today, and that's why we wouldn't do it on the seventh day if Hoshana Rabbah fell out on Shabbat. He says uh, Rav Nachman has his own opinion. You see that there are others who say that uh, it was a because uh, it says sorry skip Rabbi Elazar agrees with Rabbi Yosef is saying that they would only walk around the mizbeach with the lulav. There was no walking around with arava. But there are other Amoraim, Rav Shmuel Bar Natan and Rabbi Chanina and Rav Nachman and Rav Barafa. They all said no with the arava. So according to them, there should be room for some kind of a remnant of that mitzvah, even today, when Hoshana Rabbah falls out on Shabbat. And that would be a difficulty uh, for, uh, like we said above, uh, Rav Yosef gives the answer that there is no remnant of the mitzvah today that would get us out of the problem. But if you hold that the Aravah, there is a mitzvah of shaking it, then you would still have the question of why we don't do it today. Rava said to Rav Yitzchak, the son of Rav Barbachana, Bar Uriah, Person of like Ben Torah, person of Torah, Ta ve'emalach, come and listen. I'm going to tell you, Miltam Aliata, the Hava Amaravuch. I want to tell you something very wonderful that your father used to say. When it talks about the service of the in the Beit Hamikdash on Sukkot, it says on the first day, uh, on the first six days they would walk around one time, but on the seventh day, on the last day of Sukkot, they would walk around the Mizbeach seven times. That's talking about with the lulav, not with the arava, meaning that there is no mitzvah of shaking or handling the arava, only the lulav. There is an objection, lulav docheta shabbat betchilata ova arava besofo. It says the lulav pushes off shabbat in the beginning, meaning when the first day of Sukkot falls out on shabbat, and the arava will override shabbat if this besofo, if the seventh day of Sukkot falls out on shabbat. Once the Hoshana Rabbah fell on Shabbat in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, so the Shluchei Bedin, those who were in charge of it, brought the bundles of Aravah from Erev Shabbat, and they left it in the Beit HaMikdash, so there wouldn't be any carrying on Shabbat, like we said before. They go and bite but the Baitosin who reject the Torah Shabbat Pen don't believe in the whole idea of Aravah because it's not written in the Torah. They came They went and hid them under some rocks. Now, really, that would mean that they wouldn't be able to handle them because they're under Moktze and so on. Uh, they wouldn't be able to uh, to get to them. However, what happened was that some people who weren't familiar with the laws of Muktzeh came and they pulled them out and the Kohanim brought them and they placed them on the Mizbech. So the, uh, because the Baitusin do not agree that the Chibut Arava, that the shaking of the uh, Arava or the placing of the Arava it overrides Shabbat. So since they, they wanted to stop them from being able to fulfill that mitzvah. Now Rashi says, here it says, From the fact that it calls it chibut arava, um, that implies some kind of a moving or shaking or something with the arava, which means that the Kohanim would take it, hold it in their hands, shake it around, walk around the Mizbech, and only then place it on the Mizbech. That's the implication of this Brayta, that there is a shaking, that Alma bin Etilahi tiuvta, that, um, that that would mean uh, that, uh, uh, that, that, that that rejects the idea that there was no shaking. There clearly was some kind of a shaking with it. So then the question is, so that's true, so it really should, uh, 
uh, really, it, it should be pushed off. Meaning that since there is some kind of a uh, a memorial of it that we can do, Rashi says, that uh, uh, that since we can actually imitate what they did in the Beit Hamikdash, because shaking of the lulav was part of it, shaking of the arava was part of it, so we don't need a mizbeach to do that. We should be able to have it even today in override Shabbat. So it says, since we outside of Eretz Israel who don't know the correct day because. We don't. We we always keep everything for two days when we're outside of Eretz Israel. So to in Israel, they didn't do it on the seventh day because they were in deference to us. So the question is, but didn't we just say before that even after the destruction of the Bet Hamikdash in Eretz Israel, where they know for sure when the first day of Sukkot is, they override Shabbat and shake the lulav on the first day of Sukkot in Eretz Israel, and it's only outside that they don't. So why shouldn't we say the same thing that on the seventh day of Sukkot they should be able to shake the arava? Do the chibut arava on the seventh day of Sukkot, since they know for sure that it's the seventh day, and they'll do it through the shluchei betin or whatever to make sure that there's no chilul Shabbat. But they will do that on the seventh day. Um, why don't they do that in Eretz Yisrael? Just because they don't do it in Chutz It says Amrei No, you're wrong. Even in Eretz Yisrael, they did not. After the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash, they did not shake the lulav on Shabbat. When the first day of your, even when the first day of Sukkot coincided with Shabbat, they did not. Okay, so now we're back to the question again. We said before, there's a, con- there's a contradiction between two Mishnayot. One that says that we shake the, that we, that uh, when the first day of Sukkot fell out on Shabbat, we come and bring the Lulavim to the Bet Hamikdash before Shabbat. And one said we bring it to the Bet Knesset before Shabbat. And it said, we said, One is talking about when there was a Beit HaMikdash, one was talking about after the Beit HaMikdash, meaning that in Eretz Israel, both when there was a Beit HaMikdash and when there was not, they would shake the lulav on the first day of Sukkot. They would just make sure, when it fell out on Shabbat, they would just make sure that the lulav was in position before Shabbat. So the answer is, so, and we, that's what we answered. And, the, and we were operating on the assumption that what? That really... Uh, uh, that really the, uh, even in Eretz, in Eretz Israel, even today, on the first day of Sukkot, if it falls out on Shabbat, we should shake the lulav. It says, uh, that's what we understood. So one uses the example of the Beit HaMikdash, one uses the example of a synagogue, because one is talking about when there was a Beit HaMikdash, one is talking about when there wasn't the Beit HaMikdash, but they're both talking about Eretz Israel. But it says, Lo, idi v'idi, bismanj Beit HaMikdash kayam, v'lakasha, kan b'mikdash, kan b'gvulihin, that the answer really is, both of them are talking about when the Beit HaMikdash was standing. And one is talking about in the Beit HaMikdash, one is talking about outside the Beit HaMikdash. In other words, what it really works like is like this. When there was a Beit HaMikdash, in the, in the Beit HaMikdash, when, when Sukkot fell out, the first day of Sukkot coincided with Shabbat. So in the Beit HaMikdash, they would shake the Lulav. Outside of the Beit HaMikdash, they would, they would also shake the Lulav, but they would bring it to the synagogue before Shabbat. Once the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, neither in Eretz Yisrael nor outside of Eretz Yisrael would they uh, shake the lulav. Now, meaning to say that when the Beit HaMikdash existed, um, both in the Beit HaMikdash and anywhere else in Eretz Yisrael where they knew for sure what the first day was. So they would, uh, they would shake the lulav even on Shabbat. And so if you were near the Beit HaMikdash, you would leave your lulav there. And if you were near another synagogue and not near the Beit HaMikdash, in the Gvulim, in the outskirts of Israel, you would, um, the outskirts, you know, beyond uh, be, anywhere else in Israel, you would, you would shake the lulav on the first day in the Bet Knesset, 
even though it was Shabbat. But once the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, so now nowhere is the Lulav shaken on the first day of Sukkot that coincides with Shabbat. And, uh, and, and at no time in the diaspora was it ever done because they never knew for sure what the first day was to be able to allow themselves to uh, compromise Shabbat uh, for that, uh, for that mitzvah. So that, that, and that's the conclusion of the Gemara. It's going to go on, of course. But that's the, uh, the conclusion now is that, uh, as we know, nowhere is the love taken on the first day of Sukkot that falls out on Shabbat nowadays. And, uh, and in the outside of Israel, even in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, it was not done.